What is up? Welcome to the Operation Growth Podcast. Today, we have my first ever guest on the podcast, Holly Migliaccio, who is co-founder and CEO of Rook Coffee. I'm really excited about this one because Holly touches upon a lot of great topics like building a brand, um, giving back to the community, women in business, and many, many more. She shares her story from not really sure of where she wanted to go in life during college. She started a job in corporate America, didn't really feel like it was a great fit. She then left, traveled the world, and ultimately got inspired to start Rook Coffee. So again, this is my first episode with a guest, so I'm really excited about this one. Let's grow. Holly, I just wanted to take the time right now to thank you for taking time out of your day to have this conversation with me. You're actually my first guest on the podcast, so I'm really excited to to get this thing going. So I wanted to kick it off with just tell me a little bit about you, where you grew up, where you're from. I'm happy to chat with you. I, uh, I'm always honored when, when I'm asked and requested to um, speak or, or give advice. It, it gives me a very humbling feeling, but uh, I'm excited today. Thank you. Uh, so... I actually was born and raised right here in Monmouth County, and it's okay. funny, we have a, a, a Rook Coffee location in Monmouth Medical Center, and I was born in Monmouth Medical Center. So really cool and unique that, of course, I was born at Monmouth Med, so was my business partner, Sean, and now, uh, you know, 40 years later, we have a location there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so born and raised in Monmouth County, um, went to Shore Regional High School, so grew up knowing Monmouth College, now Monmouth University, right. um, and being, you know, really close to that and seeing how that the school has grown over the years. Um, I went to University of Delaware after high school. And what was that process like, choosing the right college for you? Um, well, I wanted to be close enough but far enough away, you know, that feeling mm-hmm. of like, well, I'm getting away, you know, like Monmouth would have been too close, right? Of course. Parents could just pop in. Um, but I want to be able to get home quickly if I had to. And, and University of Delaware was just shy of two hours away. So to me, it was perfect. And I had visited. And uh, my sister went to University of Maryland. She was a little bit older. So I had gotten to visit that. And it was just a little further, more like four hours or so, I think. Yeah, that's, that's um, quite far. You know, so I was like, it was cool. It was right in the middle. Um, she was there. She was still at Maryland for about, mm-hmm. uh, for one more year when I was a freshman. So it was cool. Like She would pick me up on her way home from from college, from Maryland to Delaware, and then we'd drive home to Jersey together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually, freshman year, when I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, you know, I kind of followed my parents' footsteps. I decided, well, let me let me take some of the general courses that could fall into elementary ed, you know, some of the liberal arts that kind of would be covered and needed if I went into elementary ed. And that kind of just led me in that direction. Um, you know, it's all I really knew, uh, mm-hmm. you know, watching my parents in that field. And, and of course, knowing, hey, man, you get those summers off, you know. Yeah, yeah, those are always, those are always great. You can go to the beach, like you said. <laughs> yeah, the beach. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I graduated and I started interviewing at schools. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, things were good, but, you know, it was still challenging to get a job. And, and I, uh, it was 2000 when I graduated college, um, oh. year 2000. and I was starting to interview and I wasn't like psyched about, okay, I'm going to move home to Jersey. I had to get my head in that game, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the time, my sister who was three years older was living in New York city and she was in fashion promotion PR. Um, 
and she had this tiny, tiny apartment, and she was like, I really want to go get my master's in Italy. She, she oh, had wow. you know, big Italian influence um, in her life and with fashion, of course. She wanted to go to Milan. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it's, it's a year to two years, um, but I want this apartment. I want to save this apartment. So selfishly, I think she was sort of like, you take this apartment until I get back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was super cheap. I mean, for Manhattan, it was $450. Oh, at my the time, God. Which, my friends were paying fifteen hundred, you know, and I'm, yeah, that's I was incredible. Like, well, <laughs> it, but, but listen, Vincent, it was one hundred and twenty square feet, so uh-huh. we're not talking about a lot of space. Uh, so I moved into this apartment and I tried to get a job, like doing anything. And mm-hmm. I, I um, met a friend of a friend of a friend, actually down here. I was at a, a graduation party. Um, and I said, I'm looking for a job in New York city. And she, uh, she said, well, can you send me your resume? I, and I worked for this company called hotjobs.com. Oh yeah. And, uh, at the time, you know, it was during the internet boom, um, of sorts or kind of the tail end of it. And I sent my resume, I had it, an interview that week. It was crazy wow. um, for sales. And during college, um, I was super active. I always wanted to work. I was like, I always worked. I just liked working. It wasn't like, give me money. It was just like, I want to do something. I'm, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. constantly wanting to do something. Always so, had like that hustle, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. I think it's in my blood. You know, I had one summer, I had six jobs. My parents wow. were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like I want to work. I just want to make money. I want to make some money. But like, I like working. I like accomplishing. Right. Um, so, uh, so basically, after college, I, t- I, you know, I'm looking for this job. I'm like, all right, it's a sales role. They were like, what have you done in sales? And I thought back to college, and again, with that work ethic, I had, um, I had worked for a company called Balloon Travel in college, and mm-hmm. the company sold trips to, you know, Cancun and all, you know, all the spring break spots. Um, and my job in college, I did it for two years, I think, junior year and senior year. Uh, I might have even done it sophomore year. Was to get fraternities and sororities. I had to, I had to find reps in the fraternity and sororities uh, to sell trips, and their job was to sell fifteen, and then they would get a free one. It was kind of like the, the travel pyramid scheme, you know. It wasn't yeah. a scheme though, you know. Everybody got a free trip if you sold fifteen. They they comped you a trip. Yeah, they got something so like that going on now with like uh, I believe it's called like Student City and stuff. So it's like I, I'm familiar yeah. with the uh, you know the system. The concept, right? The concept, so right. I was in charge of the University of Delaware campus um, of finding all the reps. So I was kind of like, uh, I didn't, I mean, I, I sold them. I was in a sorority at the time. I sold them to my friends in my sorority, but I also had reps selling them. So I would go and speak in front of, I look back, I'm like, geez, at like, the, at like 18, 19, 20 years old, I was speaking in front of these big and you know greek life was pretty big at delaware speaking in front of these fraternities and sororities and saying hey your rep you know so and so is selling trips and this is why you should go and kind of like give them the pitch but i wasn't really selling the trip that the rep was right um so i guess it would be like a sales manager but i didn't even realize what i was doing so when i went and applied at hot jobs and got this interview I was explaining that they're like, that's perfect. You know, you're a salesperson and, you know, kind of like fell into, Oh, I guess I do have that, that skill set. So prior to that, you didn't even like put two and two together that you even had any history in sales. I didn't study business. I didn't study marketing. I didn't, you know, I, I I mean, I knew what a salesperson was, you know, 
but I didn't really put two and two together that that what I did in selling uh, or talking my friends at different fraternities and sororities into um, selling trips would translate into a sales job at an advertising company. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, did did you have like uh, right in front of my eyes? It was right there, but I didn't think about it. You mm-hmm. know. Now, did you have any like interest at all in business, or was that something that developed like later on as you started working and stuff like that? It developed as I started working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. I mean, and then once it developed, I was like, oh, I've always been interested in this stuff, but I never really read about it or looked into it or asked questions. And once I started working for hot jobs, um, it was sales, but it soon turned into, you know, um, I became a team leader. So maybe not like a, a full sales manager at the time, but I had a team. Um that kind of like leaned on me. Uh, I became um, a sales trainer. So then I started training um, on the corporate side, people that would come into the company and become a salesperson. I was the trainer. Um, I did operations and I, I got to dabble in marketing when I was in that world and work closely with marketing and systems. And so all of a sudden everything was sort of unfolding in front of me. I did a lot of traveling and, and I started doing sort of corporate training for um, uh, we had we had basically newspaper partners at the time. And, um, so I, I had, I started to get all of this experience. Um, and at the time, you know, about seven to eight years or so, I guess I was at the company. The same thing. I didn't realize how much experience I was getting that would translate into a, a future, uh, of doing what I do now, but I was, I was learning so, so, so much. And, um, so Yahoo ended up buying hot jobs a oh, couple okay. years into my, uh, my tenure there. So that's good timing. Yeah, it was cool. It was a really, that, and again, going through an acquisition, I had no idea what I was learning, but I was learning, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, I got to see that unfold. Um, and then I stayed there for, you know, the better part of almost eight years. And, uh, and then I was sort of recruited over to another company called the ladders, um, very similar to Yahoo Hot Jobs, and in the the advertising platform where you know you would sell uh, job ads to companies, and I became a, a, a training manager there, and and then a sales manager there. I did a whole bunch. It was more so in startup mode, um, but it was kind of like the early days of Hot Jobs for me, um, and I was like, this is cool, but I know I know how this is all going to unfold, and you know, I learned a lot of this stuff already. I want to, now I, I really don't, I don't know if I want to do it all over again. You know, it's that it sort of hit me. Um, I was almost a year in at that company and I decided to leave. Uh, and in doing so, uh, you know, I did not know what I was going to do, which was wild. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a break for a and, bit. And what was that like? That, that must've been scary, you know, leaving, uh, you know, stable corporate job and just, you know, not having I mean, a it, clear direction. It was, it was scary. You have, you know, my parents were like, what are you doing? You know, like, you're crazy. You're on a great career path. And, you know, I was 30 at the time. And, and I was just like, I just, I don't want to wake up retired and say, oh, great. I made lots of money. You know, I, I didn't, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to envision my future as, wow, you, you, you made an impact on this world. You did something. Um, and that was like the driving force to, you know, I better quit now before I get married, before I have a family, before I get stuck. Uh, so that was kind of like what drove me. And I was just like, it was like a random Thursday, I want to say. And, uh, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It was like not really totally planned, but I just, 
you know, called the HR department, who I was friendly with, um, the director at the time, and, and I was just like, I, I, I'm done. I think I'm done. Was, was it done. was it like one scenario that like you said, you know what, I had, you had enough of this, or it was kind of just like something yeah. you were thinking about yeah, for a long you know, time? There was. I, I had a VP of sales that I, I was reporting to at the time, and um, he really worked me. And he was he was a good dude, but he was intense, and he really worked me. And um, I was working hours that I, you know, didn't really commit to in my contract and, and the way it went down, it was like, you know, I, I was doing the math. I'm like, I'm working 80 hours a week. I was working oh, Saturdays geez. and, you know, I was working at night and I was, then I had to commute for a while. So I was like commuting on the, on the ferry and, um, and, and I would just work and work and work and work. I'd eat, then I'd work a little bit more. Then I go to bed then I wake up, I get on the ferry, I'd work, work, work on the ferry. Then I'd get on the subway and, you know, I was like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> nothing's really worth 80 hours a week unless you see the future in it, you know? And, right. I, you know, I have no problem working 80, 80 hours a week and sometimes that has to happen, but it, it's gotta be on my terms for me. And, and I have to see what the, you know, the fruits of that labor will be. I have to know what they are and I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it was harder for me to see it when it wasn't mine. Um, so right. I quit. And it was a good company, the ladders, and they were doing great things. But I just, for me, it was like this is this just time wasn't I a good fit. Enough. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit. Okay. Uh, so uh, I ended up traveling for a bit. I took uh, took my backpack and and did a trip to Southeast Asia for three wow. months. That's incredible. <laughs> it was cool. Again, you know, it was um, when I was when I was in college. I did get to go on spring break, but I didn't get to go abroad. Was it was, was it the free that- trip? Did you get it for free? Oh yeah, I got it for free. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was Cancun. <laughs> oh jeez. It was Cancun. Actually, I'm flying into Cancun tomorrow. Believe it or not. Oh no way. I, I don't know if I've been back since. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm headed to uh, to Mexico tomorrow with the family. Oh, good for you. Um, so uh, yeah, we fly in Cancun. We go to Playa uh, Playa del Carmen. So it should be fun. Should bring back some so, memories, maybe. What's that? It'll probably bring back some memories, maybe. I well, I don't know if I'll be like dancing in the phone party. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. It'll be a little different of a trip. Yeah, just a little bit, right? <laughs> same, same, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I took this trip. I, I traveled uh, for the three months in, in Southeast Asia and kind of was like this, hey, let me get it out of my system. I had never gone abroad. You know, a lot of my friends studied abroad. And because I was in elementary ed, I had to do student teaching. We had the blocks. I, I couldn't leave. I had, you know, to be in the schools. So I, I, maybe I was a little resentful of that. I never got that experience. So I was like, you know, I really want to get some traveling in. So three months backpack, uh, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. Wow. And, and you know, it's just like a... I don't know where I'm going tomorrow, but I got my backpack and I'll go there tomorrow. You know, I had a a flight in and a flight out. It was exactly three months. And on my way out, um, from, from Bangkok, we flew to San Francisco. And when I worked for Yahoo, uh, they had me in San Francisco for a couple of the years while I was there. I was in New York, then San Fran, and then back to New York. Um, so I was, you know, um, I was living in San Francisco for a while. So I love that city. So here we are coming back from Bangkok, layover in San Francisco, and purposely made it for two nights so that, you know, kind of like wind down back to the States before we get back to New Jersey. Let's let's chill in, in uh, our favorite city for a little bit. So Sean, my now business partner, was um, himself living in San Francisco at the time. He had left New York um, and he was trying out, you know, 
San Fran. He had visited me there when I lived there, and you know we've always been good friends. Uh, so I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I have this two two day layover, and, and I'm crashing with you. <laughs> he was living with one of my friends. I hooked him up to, you know, uh, become roommates while he was there. So I'm like, I'm crashing with you guys. And, <laughs> he owes you um, one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and so he was like, good, because I have a proposal. And I'm like, a proposal? What is he talking about? You know, so I get back. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go back to teaching. I don't know if I'm going to go back into corporate training or what, you know, advertising sales. Um, and he proposes that night. I, I had the same outfit I had had on for probably 24 hours from the, the uh, bank, Bangkok all the way to San Francisco, this huge flight. Um, or a couple layovers, all that. And he, he said he, he wanted to um, get into the coffee business with me. Hmm. I'm like, the coffee business? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about the coffee business. Um, and so I, I mulled it over. I finally went home uh, two days later. Kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder if he was serious. So I called him. And, and uh, not to cut you off, but wh- like, where did that idea like arrive from? Like you, like you said, you don't really have experience with the, with the coffee but prior to that. And, and did he have prior experience or where did he like come up with the whole idea to start that? No. So he came from the more of the finance world. Um, mm-hmm. He studied computer science and he studied finance. So uh, more analytical brain, you know, very, very different from me. Uh, in, in our skill sets. So he tried to leave his job at the time. It was January. Uh, was it? Yeah. He, he waited and wait. he was really jealous when I quit. He's like, <laughs> I really, I don't want to be in this world either. You know, I want to travel. I want to do something different. Um, so he, he quit his job after he got his bonus in January. It was January of 2009. And, uh, they were like, no, 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 you can't quit. We need you. Uh, it, it was a, a pretty bad time in you know in finance world it was it was a crash it was terrible actually but he was on the risk side of things so they needed his position like a risk analyst so he stayed on and they allowed him to work from home from San Francisco and you know I, I I'm air quoting right now like quote quote unquote work from home he was working off the couch three days a week and then <laughs> actually started going to school he wanted to you know he wasn't sure what he wanted to do so he started to take courses um sort of like pre-med courses, uh, oh, wow. you know, maybe going to medicine. Um, so while he was doing that, he started studying in coffee shops and he, you know, and he was working. So he just go to coffee shops constantly. And he just started to watch that business model and, you know, his brain, you know, how much risk would this be? How would you pull this off? You know, he just started thinking like a businessman. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and so that's why he proposed it, knowing that, you know, he had certain skill sets and, you know, I kind of had the other half of those uh, needed to, to start a business like that. And so there we went. And from there, uh, we traveled. I went back to San Fran twice, once in April. This was March. Once in April, I went back. We talked. We worked on things. And then I went back again in May of 2009. And um, we really, like, jammed out and started like a business plan, jam that out. Uh, and then we traveled to, well, obviously San Francisco, all the coffee shops there. We, we traveled up North. We went to Portland, we went to Seattle, we went to Vancouver and just spent two weeks road tripping to all, all throughout the Northwest to see what these coffee companies were doing, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we want to do for our business, what we wouldn't want to do for our business. Um, and, uh, and that was a tremendous help to, building the plan and, and getting on the same page for what we wanted this business to, to look and feel and, and be like. Um, 
And so that was May, May of 2009. And uh, we thought we were going to do our business in Brooklyn. And that's where Rook came from, inside the word Brooklyn. Ah. Rook. I was actually going to um, ask that. Where'd you come up with the, uh, the word and the brand yeah. for Rook? It, it, I, was, I was at my sister. She lived in Brooklyn at the time. And she had a book. Uh, she had a book on her shelf. She had a whole big bookshelf. And it said Brooklyn, but the B was like a circle, like, you know, the subway circles, like a yellow, like the right. B train. Right. So the B train was in a yellow circle. So it was separate, you know, it looked outside of the word Brooklyn. So it looked like the B was separate from Brooklyn. And I just saw the word and I was like, oh my gosh, that word Rook. Oh, that kind of makes sense. If we're going to be inside Brooklyn, our business, like, let's do the word Rook. It's inside the word Brooklyn. <laughs> and that's how it kind of unfolded in my mind. Uh, and we thought Brooklyn because Sean and I had both, lived in the city and it was a, it was a great next step. We really didn't think we would want to move home to, to Monmouth County at the time. But once we started planning from May, we started planning in May by about August, you know, again, another Jersey shore summer, we were like, why are we going to Brooklyn? Monmouth County is awesome. You know, yeah, we haven't sure. lived here at the same time and been sort of free here since we were kids. And, uh, it was a great summer. And, and, by August, we said, you know what, let's do it here and let's roast our coffee. Let's take the, the business to another level because if we don't, you know, if we go to Brooklyn, the barrier to entry is huge, the rent is huge, the everything was, was big. And we said, why don't we start small and then we can buy a roaster and add to, you know, uh, our business. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we, in our original business plan, had thought, oh, it, down the road, we'll, we'll roast our own coffee. Well, we said, if we're going to start in a little spot somewhere in Monmouth County, let's buy a little roaster. And that's what we did. We, by October, we had found uh, what we now call Little Oakhurst, you know, on Monmouth Road in Oakhurst. That's our sort of Monmouth View uh, go-to store. Yeah, definitely. And by October, we had found that location. And then by by January 14th, 2010, that was the day we opened. Now, how did you Uh, get such, like, um, like, demand from the Monmouth students? Like, I feel like it's such a big craze. Like, if you go to Monmouth you automatically know about Rook and like, it's just like everyone has the sticker on their binder, on their cars, like the, you know, the, the Rook stickers that you guys hand out with the Rook on it. And how did you guys get such like, you know, demand from it? Um, I would, my, my, my gut reaction is just patience. Mm-hmm. We got it through patience um, and, you know, kind of hitting the ground in, in any way, shape we could. Um, we, our first couple of employees were from Mom with You. Um, we had, a couple of coaches that started coming in um, and they just started talking. And then some of the staff and, and professors started coming in um, and they all again just started talking and it was like, all right, you know, it's going to take a little time. But, and then of course, you know, with Monmouth, your seniors go out and then you have a new freshman crowd, you know, so it's like right. some of those people are local or they're in New Jersey or, you know, so now maybe they're like yourself from North Jersey, but then now they know about Rope. Uh, maybe now they want to order it online, you know? Um, but then you'd have that new freshman class that had to learn it. So the beginning years, it wasn't like it is now. It wasn't just automatically, oh, let's go to Rook. You know, it took a little building mm-hmm. and patience. But, uh, you know, the, the logo does its thing. That The bird by itself on a sticker or on a T-shirt forces a question. So if you don't know what it is and you see it on somebody's car or on somebody's shirt, you're likely going to say, hey, what is that? I keep seeing that. And, and that's and actually really else. really funny you say that because I, I actually remember when I was a freshman and I, I didn't really drink coffee at the age. I was like 18, just out of high school, obviously. 
So I wasn't really big into coffee. And, you know, I always saw these stickers everywhere. And I was like, what the heck is this is this logo? I'm seeing it everywhere. And then finally, once I started, you know, and now I drink coffee probably on the regular a couple times a day. You know, yeah. now it all makes sense and comes to fruition. So that's that's actually pretty, you know, funny that you mentioned that. And that was like, that's great because that's exactly what we want. That's what I wanted. We, we talked about it and I remember Sean was like, well, you have to put the word Rook on it or the website. Like, how are they going to know what this, this sticker means? And I was like, we have to be patient. They're going to know because they're going to ask. And, and then it's a much more impactful feeling when somebody you know, get that aha moment. Yeah, so that curiosity, right? That's what it is. You know, now I got to go there. And of course, the person wearing the shirt or or that has the sticker on their binder or car is like, oh, you've never been? You know, they're they're already a fan if they're rocking the sticker, right? So then they're going to say something great. Like, you got to try the New Orleans style. Like, you got to get there. So then you have an automatic, um, you know, sort of ambassador advertising for you. Mm -hmm. But again, you got to be patient. You know, that took years to get to a, a, a sort of like, oh, you just started your freshman, this is where you need to go. Like, to just be told, you know? Yeah, no, for um, sure. A lot of patience on that one. So how many locations do you, is there currently now for Rook? Uh, we have 10 locations. Wow. And yesterday we just announced our 12th. We're under construction on our 11th in Freehold, and then we announced our 12th, which will be in Point Pleasant. Oh, wow. Uh, so we'll have 12 by the end of the summer. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, so we're getting there. And then we have a facility in Long Branch uh, where we roast all of the coffee and we do all of the cold brewing. We have like a cold brewery, we call it, uh, for coffee, and for the, the cold brew coffee. And then we have offices uh, in that location as well. That's uh, where I'm, I'm right now. Any any plans on uh, moving up, up north, putting some locations up north? I lo- I'd love to move up north. I mean, what we're doing right now is – these two locations are opening the freehold and the uh, Point Pleasant. We hadn't really planned on, on you know, hitting the pavement again with stores. Uh, we've been working on strengthening the infrastructure of the company, just mm-hmm. internal positions and training and getting our managers stronger and our staff stronger. And we had purchased this building in Long Branch. You know, it's 10,000 square feet. It's a big building. And we've been renovating it for the for the the roasting side, the brewery side, the office. So we've been investing internally to get really strong, and we hadn't really planned on opening more stores. But these two sort of fell in our lap. We're like, all right, I think we're pretty, we're there, we're getting strong, we feel good. It's, it had been about two years since we we had we had fully stopped looking for locations. So mm-hmm. now it's been uh, well, it was November of 2015. So we're over two years since we had literally we're like let's stop looking for locations we can't you know we're about to open at the time we were about to open monmouth and we were about to open homedale we just said that'll be 10 stores let's just take a break and uh so yeah two years later we're feeling really strong um but to answer your question about coming north uh what we you know what we're working on as we speak is taking our coffee and getting it on grocery store shelves okay so you know, we can't necessarily open up in all these. And we get demand every day. Come to Bergen County. Come to Cherry Hill. Come yeah, I would to love Bill, that. Come to Brooklyn. Come to New York. You know, we're like, oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know, um, we can't do that unless we really, really wanted to, you know, take on funding and, you know, just triple down on everything. And But what we, you know, so we're like, you know, let's let's see how these two stores go. Um, but what we can do is if you're, you know, demanding, Hey, can you come to North Jersey? Well, we can get our coffee and our cold brew on the shelves in your grocery store, um, very quickly. That's something that's, you know, super doable. And, 
and that is something we're working on right now. Um, well, that's good to hear. And that's something, you know, we can do. You know, you're demanding, come up, come up, come up. We're like, all right, we'll come up at least with the cold brew of coffee right now. And then uh, it'll help us know where there really is great demand. And maybe that's that data will help us decide where to have another store in the future. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a great idea. Um, how would you guys say you differ from, like, other coffee shops? Like, for example, when you're expanding, right, and maybe, for example, the Point Pleasant one. Maybe someone from uh-huh. Point Pleasant doesn't venture over to, you know, this this area where Mammoth is, right? And they don't know what Rook is, let's say. How do you, uh, you know, differentiate yourselves from the rest of the coffee shops and, and how do you, like, send that message? Sure. Um, well, we've kind of, like, we've talked about that over the years, right, and tried to figure out exactly what, what what's our key differentiation. Um, and we've honed in on, on really, there's, like, three things that make us different than anyone um, in the coffee field or the coffee market. Uh, one would be quality. You know, we're, we're very, very meticulous about the product. We, we source uh, coffee from all over the world, and the coffees are all single origin, so they're not blends. They're super high-end coffees. We pay a lot for them. They're, you know, they're, we're not like, hey, guys, did you know we pay a lot for these coffees? We, we really make sure that the coffee is incredible. We'll go to the right. countries of origin. Uh, this year, Sumat- last year, I guess, we went to Sumatra. We went to Colombia. We went to uh, Costa Rica. We've been to Honduras and Nicaragua. And which country Guatemala. do you think has the best coffee? Um, I'm, I'm really into our Costa Rica right now, oh, but, yeah. you know, our biggest, uh, our most popular, I should say, are, are really our Sumatra and our Guatemala, mm-hmm. um, as far as the coffees. And then, you know, the New Orleans style is just blows, blows everything away. Everybody loves the New Orleans style. Um, that's, that's the most popular. Uh, but you know, quality is huge for us. And then, um, Simplicity, you know, we're very, very focused on just what we do well. We do a great cup of coffee and a cup of cold brew really, really well. So, you know, we, we're not open late. We don't have lots of food. There's no open mic night. There's no seating. There's no tea. You know, there's just not much. It's not right. It's not a cafe. You know, I've, I've had people say, I don't understand. I came to your coffee shop and I, I want a, a cup of tea. You know, what kind of coffee shop doesn't have tea? And I'm like, well, it's a coffee shop <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to insult them but i was like you know right. i think you're thinking of a cafe you're thinking of a different model and i think starbucks obviously has done a tremendous job of sort of training everybody that that cafe model um should you know kind of be a one-stop shop for everything you need a snack you need a cheese plate you need a egg sandwich you need a tea you want a milkshake aka frappuccinos you know like, right you could get anything there. Um, and I think even they kind of drifted away from what they were really just solely about, too. And now I heard they're trying to sell liquor and they're selling all different types of sandwiches and just like, I don't know, I feel like they've been drifting away from what they really were trying to focus on from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow as much as I can, of course, but I think that, you know, they have larger retail spaces with, you know, sit down. So how do you... You know, how do you sell more to those people that are coming in and taking your sort of real estate and your space? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I could see that, you know, all right, well, maybe they'll have a coffee, maybe they'll have, a, you know, a glass of wine. I could see that being something to try. Of course, they're amazing, Starbucks. They have the, the right. ability and resources to try things, you know? It's amazing. I mean, they're like my idols, of course. <laughs> people will be like, Oh, Starbucks! I don't like Starbucks. I'm like, they're they're look at their business. I'm like a business freak, you know. So, right. I I love the business side of things. Um, I of course love our product, but we just keep it simple. 
you know, we were, again, it's the quality, it's the simplicity. Uh, and then the third thing is the experience. You know, we're, we're, I'm really super crazy about a customer having a great experience. Um, and I try to, you know, find people where we just try to find people who are super kind and nice and want to talk to other people. And then we, you know, that's what, that's what you have to, you know, start with to work at Rook. And then of course, having food experience is a huge plus, <laughs> but first and foremost, you have to be nice. And that helps with the customer experience. Um, yeah, tremendously. You, so. you can definitely get that vibe uh, when you go in there. If anyone has not been in there, the workers are extremely nice and uh, it, it is a real, you know, like friendly vibes. Like the, even the people yeah. working the cashier, they're just super nice and act just incredibly friendly to you. So. Yeah. And it's funny because cause people say, well, how do you get them to be so nice? And I'm like, I don't. I don't <laughs> get them to be nice. I find nice people. I can't, you can't train nice. It's right. impossible. So, so you have to start with that. And that's your basis. And, uh, you know, so that is kind of like our little secret to recruiting, just finding nice people to start mm -hmm. with. And then we go from there. So train them, on, train them on coffee. What would you say your favorite part of, uh, of your, either your business or your career is? Um, I feel so fortunate that I get to wake up every day and, and do something different. Um, not like my job is different. Like every day is different. Mm -hmm. Every single day I wake up, I'm like, okay, what's today going to look like? I have no idea. Usually, you know, I'll have appointments and meetings and stuff, but, um, you know, it's not monotonous at all. And, and I think that's my personality. You know, I was saying in my, my younger years, I had six jobs one summer. I was like probably more for, you know, just changing it up and excitement and trying different things and um you know so i i'll do anything from you know uh, a podcast with you or or talk at a school or you have to answer questions about insurance or you know ordering a new design for our bag or social media or yeah, any all sorts of things that we could be doing scouting a new location um answering emails like every single day is different it's definitely not uh not monotonous that's for sure and that's what i love about it my favorite part yeah definitely i could totally see that um what what was like some uh what was like the biggest struggle you had like adjusting from corporate america to now uh being a business owner what was like the hardest time of that mm. um anything in specific or just maybe the, just the, the sort of stress that it, it was it was all on me um you know we went from just sort of selfishly if you think about it like sean and i were like screw this we're out of the corporate world let's go do our own thing you know i'm not working for the man anymore and it's like <laughs> yeah well you're always working for the man um you know it went from the two of us to i mean now there's almost 150 of us and wow. that that responsibility i think was the hardest and and you know I'm a human being. Like you question yourself. Do I really, am I capable of this? Do I know, am I doing this right? Is, and you have nobody to check with to be like, did, did I do that right? Did I, was that yeah, right that's a good point. say to that person, you know, and, and you have nobody to check with. You just have to kind of go with your gut. So learning to trust my gut in, in, you know, I'm a CEO now. Like I, I was never a CEO before, you know, no mm -hmm. one taught me how to do that. So that was the hardest part. I think just learning how to navigate the corporate world, uh, sort of on my own. I mean, of course, Sean and I have each other and we have some, some mentors, but, um, really just learning it on our own, really, really, uh, challenging, but, but also very fun. 
Yeah, I could imagine that's a huge change of scenery, like coming in every day, nine to five for somebody else, having a fixed schedule, you know what your day is going to be like pretty much. And now you're going into a role where you're very hands on, you're wearing a bunch of different hats, you're running your own business, you're making hours for other people, looking up new products and, and just continue to innovate. So that's just extremely admirable in going through that transition. Um, but another thing I wanted to ask about was the Rook Run that you guys do. That's just incredible for the community. Where did you come up with that idea? So the Rook Run was something that we uh, we always wanted to do something to give back, right? It was kind of in our first original business plan. Like well, once we get the brand going and we get it to where it's strong enough where people recognize it, then we would love to, you know, take that brand and and leverage it for something positive in our community. Um, so about, it was four years, the 2017 was the fourth year that we did the Rook Run, uh, and we teamed up with the Valerie Fund. And the Valerie Fund is an organization that supports children with cancer and blood disorders. Um, and our contributions specifically went to toward the Monmouth uh, Medical Center. Makes sense, right? We're, we, we, uh, we were both born in Monmouth Medical Center. We have a store in Monmouth Medical Center. We're local. We wanted to keep that money local. So it was amazing. It's been an amazing experience to put on that run. We did it for the four years. And in the four years in total, we raised almost a million. Oh uh, just God. shy of 900000 wow. yeah, for, for the Valerie Fund, which is amazing and cool and awesome and we're so proud of. Um, but as we, as we grow, uh, we are looking to do other things charitably. Um, so right now we're reviewing, you know, what, what exactly can we do to even, you know, leverage that brand more uh, at a store level or involve people who aren't necessarily runners, right? That The Rook Run, yeah, maybe we got some people out that weren't runners, but we could do something, I think, even more impactful and involve more charities in the future. So that's, that was, we're actually working on our next sort of steps in the charitable world uh, as we speak. Yeah, and I just think that Rook is just so synonymous with charity, giving back, supporting the community that it's just part of the brand now. And the Rook Run really does solidify that. So I do applaud you on that one. And just one final question before we we end this episode. I just wanted to ask a question about women in business. How do you, what advice would you give a young woman, you know, starting to graduate, move on into the real world? Maybe they want to start their own business. Maybe they want to work up the corporate company ladder. What advice could you give them? Yeah, I mean, my advice, it's, it's, I want to say it's easy, but it's not. It's hard advice. It's, you know, you cannot let, excuse my French, you can't let the bullshit get to you Mm -hmm. because that will, that will take you out of focus. Um, So, you know, we do have challenges, right? I will never say that there are no challenges, but I kind of like just look past them. You know, I'll be in situations where someone won't shake my hand. They're looking for Sean, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. Oh, you know, um, things like that, that are to me, it's like, it's just, it'd be stupid to waste my time caring that that just happened, you know, because that right. time is so valuable that it's just, I kind of have to let it brush off my shoulder constantly. If it's an issue, it's an issue, but like, I almost don't see it anymore because I just, I, 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 I look past it. Um, so I think my, my advice would be just, just, you know, don't let it get to you. Don't let it distract you. Um, don't bother with, you know, if you feel like you're, you're not being treated the same, don't let it, don't let it get to you. And, and just be, I think, people don't realize how capable they are 
you know, and, and, you know, if you're asking in particular women, then fine. Women don't realize how capable they are, but I think anybody, um, we're all capable of so, so, so much. I mean, I never thought I was capable of this. Here I am, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think just pushing through and pushing past, uh, and persevering situations that you think are not in your favor, just, you know, blow it off move on because it's just going to waste your time and energy and that time and energy should and could uh, be used in a much more positive way to get you to your, you know, your success level that you're looking for. Thank you for that answer. That was, that was pretty powerful. Again, Holly, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day and, and really connecting with me. And, and I'm so excited to share this story with everybody. This was a great first episode. I think you set the bar pretty high uh, in terms of motivating people. So thank you so much. We are in charge of our destinies. And um, no one's, no one's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you know what you should do? It's you. You know, you got to do it on your own. So I, I hope I can be of, of some inspiration. I hope that people can get a, a little something. Uh, but I really appreciate you you reaching out, and I'm glad I was able to no do problem. it today with you. Oh, no, it was my pleasure. Thanks again, Holly.